This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good morning, good morning. Ain't it a great morning outside, even though I just got dabbed by my producer, Sir Java Chapman. <laughs> good morning, y'all. I'm horticulturist Felder Rushing, and this is the Gestalt Gardener. It's a presentation by Mississippi Public Broadcasting, one of many daily, weekly programs produced locally to bring entertainment, enlightenment, and information to you. Sit back, folks. We're going to be talking about nothing but gardening here this last weekend in January. Got some fun stuff coming up to talk about. But mostly it's a live program. It's live. You're going to give us a call, talk about whatever you want to talk about that's related to gardening, and I won't try to sell you nothing. Again, I'm Horticulture's Fell Rushing. We've been doing this a long time. Let's keep it going this morning. Going to take a little break for some news and come back with the Gestalt Gardener here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting right after this. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okay, do folks. Welcome back again. Horticulturist Felder Rushing. And you want to talk about gardening? This is a good chance because um, I'm a horticulturist, but I'm also not a great gardener. You know, I'm a, what I call an okay gardener. I get by. I like to plant stuff, and if it can make it on its own, that's great. But if I got to prune it or fertilize it or spray it or do all that kind of horticulture stuff, eh, I got other stuff to do. I'll do it. But I'd rather just plant stuff and enjoy it. So that's my approach. If you've got some things, though, that you need to do or you think you ought to do or somebody told you you need to do or you're wondering if you should do it, give me a call because um, it doesn't matter to me what you do or don't do in your garden. I'm on the plant side. Let's talk about that. So if you want to give us a call, it's toll-free this morning, one eight seven seven mpb ring I've been answering a lot of emails over the week. There's a couple that I missed that I hadn't gotten to, but I'll take care of those a little bit later this morning. But uh, all during the week, people send in questions. Questions about their gardening or comments and events, things that are going on. And I love to help promote things that are going on because, you know, that's what turns it to a little community. So if you've got also, you know, any kind of, um, of uh, announcement, some kind of garden event, something that's related to gardening, you think that you'd like to, to help drum up a little bit more business for, you know, shoot me an email. Be real glad to help promote it. Love doing that. A matter of fact, I want to go ahead and, and throw out three of them right off the bat. Nothing that I know of this weekend, uh, but February the 4th, next Saturday, there's going to be a uh, the Greenwood Cemetery, downtown Jackson. It's an old garden park cemetery from the, from the 2000, excuse me, 18, 17, 18, 19, somewhere around in there. Um, they have all these wonderful roses and bulbs and things like that. And they have a work day to help clean up and prune and, and stuff like that. If you'd like to learn about garden roses, shrub roses, ever-blooming, disease-free roses, uh, you'd like to get together some folks, it's a pretty day, uh, grab you a pair of pruning shears and uh, or some loppers and some gloves and head down to Greenwood Cemetery. It's just one block north of the state capitol, uh, right across from Two Sisters Restaurants, which is named the best fried chicken in the state. Uh, anyway, that'll be next Saturday February the 4th, February the 12th, uh, two weeks from, from this weekend, I'm doing my annual home fruit tree seminar, fruit shrubs, trees, vines. If it has to do with growing stuff that's pretty and you can eat it when you're tired of looking at it, it's a free presentation. I've been doing it for a long time. It's going to be at Hutto's, which is a garden center off, off uh, Ellis Avenue in Jackson. Got two weeks to uh, to talk about that. Uh, I did write a book on growing fruit in Mississippi. I've grown some since I was a kid. I've uh, you know I've just you know the blueberries and the figs and the muscadines and the the pawpaws and the pomegranates and the the uh, mayhaws and the the Japanese persimmons, all those kind of things. That's what we're going to be talking about, how to choose, how to plant, how to take care of them, and it's free. That's going to be, again, February the 12th, Hutto's in Jackson. And then the last one I want to mention before we get to some phone calls is the 37th annual Gulf Coast Orchid Show and Plant Sale. We're talking about some fabulous plants, many of which are easy to grow, believe it or not, easy to grow. Uh, it's going to be this weekend, starting today, uh, go through Sunday. It's the 37th annual Gulf Coast Orchid Show and Plant Sale. It's going to be at the Gaucher Convention Center today, starting at noon, and go through 
through Sunday. So uh, either today or if you listen to the rebroadcast on Saturday, make your way over to Gaucher Convention Center. Uh, there's going to be all sorts of stuff going on there, really cool plants, easy to grow stuff, and they've got some for sale. So if you're interested in that, make your way on over there. If you've got some things you'd like to, to uh, help promote, Shoot me an email, garden at mpbonline.org. It's a live program today. If you want to give us a call, one eight seven seven mpb ring We're going to start out uh, in Golden, Mississippi. Amy, where is Golden? Golden is east of Fulton. It's just a little village. You're way up in what we call the icebox part of the state. Cold, 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 cold. Yes, it is. Well, what's up? So my husband and I had bought a house. The flower beds are completely empty, but they're full of rocks, and I have no idea how to plant anything in them. Okay. <laughs> and you can't get him to do it? Um, well, he's not very motivated. <laughs> and you can't get him to do it? He's more of a grass person, so he's been out there trying to do something to the grass, and I'm more I'm worried about the flower beds. Yeah. So... So is it just rocks, you know, that's in your dirt all over, or just for some reason it's a bunch in the flower bed? It's it's just in the flower bed. Like, there's a border, and there's tons of rocks. I guess it was meant to keep weeds out. Uh, they might have used it as a mulch or something like that. Yeah, this this not this not gonna be very fun, Amy. But the really about the, you have two choices. One is to take your time. Usually, it's not gonna be very deep. You know, if it's mulch, even if it's dug in, it's only gonna be a few inches. And just take it a little at a time. You know, if you can get a start, then you can work from that side and just sort of lift the rest of them up, sift them out, throw them to one side, maybe on a piece of cardboard or a, or a piece of plywood so you can find them later. In other words, don't scatter them out in the grass because he's gonna sling them through a window next time he mows. So, you know, just sift through them a little bit and um, and then, you know, dig down in the dirt beneath it, sort of, you know, dig, dig the, the, the dirt that's already there, a good shovel deep, add a little organic matter, and you're ready to go. The other thing would be to bring some stuff in and just pile on top of it and, and let them be good drainage. Okay, that sounds good. I think I will just... <laughs> well, here, here's the deal. If you if you find a garden center, um, you know whether you go over to Tupelo or someplace that may may have a big place that sells bulk uh, uh, potting soil or planting type stuff, it's you know the stuff you buy in a bag is okay for pots. Stuff in the dirt is okay for cotton and soybeans, but if you can mix the two together, it's better. So if you could, if there's any way you could mix some real dirt in with the store bought stuff, your plants grow a whole lot better. Okay, that sounds great. Okay, well, good luck on it. This is a good weekend to get started on because it's going to be pretty. Yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> good luck, Amy. Thank you for okay. calling. Okay. Uh, by the way, I did get a um, an email from Jim Galloway. Want to know if uh, this the warm weather? If it's uh, he said, Saint Augustine is starting to green up. And it's safe to apply weed and feed. Okay, now here's something, folks, that I have said for thirty something years now. And keep in mind, I'm trained in turf management in Mississippi State. I don't sell anything, and I understand. But I have not and never will recommend fertilizer, weed killer combinations. The good products, but it's too late for one, too early for the other. So think sugar and toothpaste. I like sugar. I like toothpaste. But you don't mix them together. So if you've got weeds, let's treat them separate. I recommend what's based on, on uh, turf management here in the south to wait until the grass has been greened up and mowed once or twice before you fertilize it. Let's wait till after what they call spring transition. We're talking about April. Anybody who fertilizes before the grass has been greened up and mowed a couple of times is setting the grass back. Looks good, but it shuts down that all-important rooting process first thing in the spring. So let's wait till after the grass has been mowed a time or two in April to fertilize. If you want to use weed killers, now's the time. If you have any questions about it, shoot me an email. I can get a lot more detail. I can make your eyes bleed with stupid detail about that. Bottom line is weed and feed, and this is a retired university horticulturist who wrote the book saying weed and feed is not a good product for Southern laws, period. Let's go to Ripley. Hey, Jamie, we're staying way up in North Mississippi, aren't we? Jamie. Hey, I'm sorry, my bad. My bad. How are you this morning? I'm fine. What's going on? Not too much, not too much. I got the chestnut trees, and we talked about them last year. You, they'd be a good place to, to grow them there in the north. 
But uh, we're ready to fertilize them to get them a good boost for this spring. Well, you don't want to fertilize any kind of plant too much. It'll make them jump, but it shuts down roots. So let's just broadcast just the fertilizer under the outer spread of the branches. And you could do that any time in February, March, April, May, June, somewhere in there. You know, sometimes it would say in the late winter or spring. There's no real recipe for it. But sometimes at the beginning of the growing season, which is next two or three or four months. Okay. There's no way, actually, I mean, the, the boost their growth and everything, that thing just, just fertilize them and let them do their own thing, then, right? What, what we want to do is we want to balance it. You know, if you give a kid a whole bunch of sugar right before bed, they're going to be bouncing off the walls all night. That's what fertilizer does to, to plants. If you give them too much, they will, they will sprout out real, real quick. But it shuts down all these other things, the, the, the natural process. So an all-purpose fertilizer, just a little bit. Let's don't push them is what I'm saying. Good, steady. Uh, keep them lean and mean. I got it. I got it. Well, the, the Chinese chestnuts you're saying, and uh, they're about waist high, uh-huh. and um, they do, they're doing good. They just they're not growing quite fast enough for me, but well, uh, it's a slow process, I know. Yeah, for, for fast for you is not necessarily the same thing, same thing as fast for chestnuts. Anyway, a little bit of fertilizer. And uh, the most important thing to do, Jamie, this, this year, keep the lawnmower and the string trimmer off that trunk. That's great. Hey, All righty, man. Thanks for your call. Yeah, stay, stay warm. All right, we'll see you later. All righty, and let's go to Oxford. Anna, good to hear from you. You got something going on with Master Gardeners? Uh, yeah, um, on February the 6th which yeah. is a Monday, yeah. at 9.30 at the Extension Office, which is the Motor Vehicle License Building. Yeah, just on Highway 7, just south of town. Right. Yeah, I'm um, doing a presentation on the secret life of roots. Roots? roots. Ooh, I want to hear that one. <laughs> well, you know, roots are important. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, I thought uh, if uh, you mentioned it, maybe some of the local people around here might like to come along. It is at 9.30. Well, don't you mention it then. Well, I just did. <laughs> 9.30 in the morning uh, on Monday, February the 6th. That's the first Monday in February. And that's, that's, that's not, what, a quarter mile or so south from the from the, the bypass on Highway 7? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, it's uh, opposite the... Um, uh, oh, motor vehicle right. thing. Yeah, it's right next... Well, it's, it's the same building as the motor vehicle bu- building. I mean, all I know is it's just like eight minutes from my house. But <laughs> See, Secret Life of Roots. Hey, if you shoot me an email ahead of time, I got a couple of tips I bet you don't know. They're really, oh, well, they're I, really, we- pres- they're really pres- weird. <laughs> well, my presentation is, uh, I hope, signed, sealed, and delivered. I don't do everything because you know, I'm not a horticulturist like you. Well, you're going to talk about eating roots? Oh, you can eat them. Of course. Yeah. It makes me wonder uh, who was the brave woman who dug up a potato. Maybe it was a hungry soldier in the field and realized, hey, this will get me by. I can put this in my pocket and run. I'm thinking prehistoric times. (laughs) Could be. It would have been in the Andes, you know. Yes. And actually, that's not really a root. That's a tuber, but that's a whole other story. Well, it's part of the root system. Bye, Anna. Bye. (laughs) Let's go to Richland. Hey, Bird, good morning. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing fine. What's going on? Well, I got a... About a 12-foot-tall huckleberry tree in the corner of my yard. I've lived there in Richmond for about 10 years. Uh-huh. What do you say? Huckle- other plants around it have started turning the trees and kind of weaving up in it. Yeah. And uh, it's my neighbor's tree, but they let me get all the berries. Yeah. They don't ever take care of it. So now, is it is, how to take care of it without killing it. Okay. Is it, when you say huckleberry tree, is it like a just a big overgrown blueberry bush, or does it make something in the fall? Little berries. It makes little bitty blackberries. They taste like uh, almost like blueberries, but sweeter. Yeah, but and then into a tree, like it's yeah, yeah, and but but it's in the late summer fall, right? Yeah, it blooms out and fills yeah. out with little blackberries. Yeah, that, that's that's one of our that's one of our native blueberries. In the, it's called a huckleberry, but it's in the blueberry family. Uh, the thing to do is just simply, you know, this time of year when you see what you're doing. Matter of fact, this is a good weekend because it's not going to be too hot. And you're not going to worry about snakes and stuff like that. Just clean out from under it. You know, try not to damage root. If you got some pruning shears, if there's something growing, snip them off close to the ground and just sort of clean it up. I would not do any pruning though, bird, because you know they're they're going to bloom uh, later in. in in late winter, early spring, on what uh, grew uh, was already out there. So you know, just thin out the clutter and make it pretty. Maybe put a little bench up under it or something. So you wouldn't uh, cut it back, like cut it back down any. 
Well, you know, you you could cut part of it. If you cut part of it this year and 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 harvest off what's left, and the next year cut that back and let what you cut back this year to start taking. In other words, you know, you don't want to lose all your fruit by cutting it back too far in one year. All right. Well, thank you, man. That's some good berries. Make some good uh, they're, jelly and, they're, and cobblers. They're little. They're not much bigger than a bird's eye. Well, they like to eat them. I know, but it takes you a while to pick them, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, man. Uh, just, just don't don't be too hard on it. Clean it up and try not to be too hard with the printing shears. All right. Thanks, brother. All right. Appreciate it. Okay, folks, we're going to take just a little bit of a break. We've got all sorts of stuff to talk about. Got a call uh, from Memphis uh, online. If you want to give us a call, it's toll-free 1-877-MPB-RING. I'm horticulturist Felder Rushing. And again, the uh, the orchid show and plant sales at the Gautier Convention Center this weekend, uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Starts at noon on Friday, goes through Sunday. I think you'll have a real, real good time. And again, orchids, don't be scared. They're not all weird plants. Well, they're all weird plants, but some of them are easy to grow. And they're awfully pretty. Anyway, if you've got some events you'd like to talk about, shoot me an email, garden at mpbonline.org. Meanwhile, uh, I do answer emails, and I've got a kind of a creepy little thing to talk about when we come back from the break, but sit back, relax. Again, this is the Gestalt Gardener on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. I'm Horticulture's Felder Rushing. We'll be right back. If you're a sustaining member of MPB Think Radio, we appreciate your support of our programs. To become a sustainer, go to mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio. Mississippi is our mission. Folks, welcome back. Horticulture's fellow Russian. Before we go to the calls, let's do a little mailbag thing because I got a bunch of really good emails this this uh, this week. Um, I, I, I did mention the one about uh, putting weed and feed out. If you've got weeds in your lawn, you've got uh, weeds that cause you problems, usually in March and April, but they're out there right now. The henbit, the onions, the garlic, the uh, the dandelion, the clover, those things are out there right now. They're fairly First of all, I like them. Uh, I've, I actually planted some in a little meadow I've got, and they've got bees and butterflies on them all this past week. It's, it's a wonderful thing to have out there. But if you don't like them, you want to have a nice weed-free lawn, this is the month, late January through early February, is the time to control them. If you spray now on a pretty weekend in January or February, while the weeds are small, they will be killed without hurting your lawn. And uh, it's always a good idea to use a liquid spray. Two sprays a week or so apart is much, much more effective and less damage to the lawn than one big spray. But anyway, I got several emails about that uh, for uh, uh, over the past couple of weeks. Just want to hit on that. Uh, also, um, we've got a, a an email from Mandeville, Louisiana, about um, – Lycoris, which is that what we call a, the uh, a red spider lily, wants to know. She had been moving around. When do I fertilize Lycoris? Lycoris is like daffodils. It puts its, its foliage up in the late fall, through the spring, and it blooms later. But Lycoris, daffodils, all the spring, uh, all the bulbs that have foliage right now, this is a good time to fertilize them. They're at the beginning of their growing season. So if you've got bulbs out there, scatter a little bulb food around. That'll help them uh, quite a bit. Let me see, I got one right here. This is an interesting uh, a plant from uh, Bill Brescia. He's from Philadelphia over in Neshoba County. He said, last summer I planted a yakin or yakin. It grew really, really well. Now, if you're not familiar with this, um, it's, it's, it's related to Jerusalem artichoke. It's like an aster with an edible root. Now, I haven't seen it growing here. I haven't grown it myself, but uh, and I don't know, you know how well it grows here. I know Jerusalem artichoke grows well even up in the colder areas and uh, blooms in the late summer and fall, but you can dig up the roots and eat them like, um, well, almost like little potatoes. Uh, anyway, he said uh, shouldn't 
plant it. And a neighbor said he shouldn't plant it because it could become invasive. Um, I don't think it is. Uh, Jerusalem artichoke can spread. It's a big, tall, late sunflower blooming uh, looking thing. But I don't know that the yakin will be as invasive. But just in, in, in case, put it in a raised bed. Better yet, grow it in a container. That really works as well. And uh, then let me see the last one. I had a really good one here. Where did that thing go? Uh, can't put my finger on it. Got so many emails this week. Oh, here we go. Let us see it in daily from Celia Falk. She said, I had a bunch of wild azuratums come up in, in, after my zinnias died last year. Even though they're weed, I uh, really like the way they bloom purple in the fall. Uh, anyway, got delayed, didn't get around to plant lettuce. Wants to know, can she still plant lettuce seed? She just go ahead and hope. I've got a friend named Jesse Yancey who does everything the way he wants to do. He's an old country boy from up in Calhoun County, and he plants lettuce and beets and stuff just because he wants to. And I think you could do the same thing. Me, I'd wait. Because if they come up right now, beautiful weather, we guess a hard freeze, they'll die. Better to plant things like lettuce and beets and carrots in uh, mid to late February and March, after the worst of the cold weather, so they can produce before it gets too hot. And then plant them again in late August, September, October, so they grow in cool weather and harvest them before it gets too cold. Anyway, that's just some of the stuff I got in the mailbag this week. If you've got questions you'd like me to answer uh, online, as well as to touch on it on the air, shoot me an email, garden at mpbonline.org. Now, Java, we've got a, I got a little dilemma here. The word spacey. Yeah, some people think it sounds like woohoo, <laughs> or I'm thinking maybe just uh, um, uh, distracted. No, spacey. I don't when I when I hear spacey, I don't think of distracted. Okay, but it could be. You know, some people say you know they're they're in a fog or something like that, or just not okay, always I there. Get, yeah, I get it. Well, I'm not sure. I'm going to take it as a positive thing because we have this publication in Jackson called the Jackson Free Press, and mm-hmm. they have a lot of local, a lot of advertising, a lot of of articles about uh, local events and and politics and things like that. And every year they have this thing called Best of Jackson, where people submit. You know, what's the best barbecue place? Uh, who's got the best uh, beer for college kids? Uh, the the best tamales? Who, you know, what, what's the, what, you know, what's the best place to go to have your hair done? And it's a popularity thing, I guess, where people write in and then other people vote on it, right? So you're telling me you 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 popular because you won. Uh, sort of. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> they're, they're a theme this year. And this is a real good thing. And anybody can go to any store in Jackson, pick up a copy of Jackson mm-hmm. Free Press to see, you know, where the where the places are, you know, this you know, the, the best Mexican place or the you know, best new restaurant, things like that. But I got nominated and awarded as the spaciest Jacksonian. <laughs> None. I'm not sure about that. You're on the fence about it? No, no, I, th- I think it's okay. You know, Spacey, is, you know, I can be a little woo <laughs> But at the same time, you know, I'm going to take as a compliment. Spacey, because there's no people out there who thought well of me. So I thought we would do this little thing. Garden, the final front yard frontier. My mission is to explore strange new ground, to seek out new plants, new designs to boldly grow where few people have grown before that space cadets awesome <laughs> one word awesome thank you sir uh, can we squeeze in a phone call before we play our our usual cheesy music yeah let's do it this is a live uh, program folks if you want to shoot me an email garden at a uh, call garden toll free one eight seven seven mpb ring we're gonna go up to memphis now wilma thank you for holding how are you this morning Hey, Felder, I'm fine. I wanted to tell you about a gardening event in Memphis this weekend. Okay. It's at Lichterman Nature Center. Wonderful place. Yes, and it's our annual seed swap. And we're calling it Birds and Seeds. But we have 
many people who come in with seeds they harvested from last year and they're willing to give them away. If you've got some, you can come in and swap. We're having a class on building a terrarium. And then at 12.15, that's at 12.15, and at 10.30, there's a talk by our uh, uh, curator who has a master's in ornithology on feeding the birds during the wintertime. Now, is that, is that, it runs from 10 to 2 tomorrow afternoon. Oh, and we also have uh, hedge climber, trimmers, clippers, whatever, uh, sharpening. What sharpening. There you go. $5 for each tool. Wow, you know, that'd be great. That's a great thing. And that's Saturday at Lichterman Nature Center? Right, 10 to 2. Okay, is there, it, does it cost to get free in? Admission. Free Okay, and it's supposed to be such a pretty day. So, and what are, you know, this time, a lot of people don't realize there's a lot of cool bears and stuff there at the Lichterman Nature Center. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is a good time to walk the trails. You see things that you don't see during the summer. And you, you, you're going to have plants for sale, too? Uh, succulents. Succulents. Yes, I forgot that. Outdoor hardy succulents? Uh, no, more house plant. That's okay. They're they're among my favorite because I'm gone so much. I grow a lot of different succulents. I hope y'all have fun and a and a, a good turnout. I appreciate you reminding me of it. Okay, thanks, Elder. You bet, Wilma. Thank you. Uh huh. Bye bye. All righty, folks. I'm Horticulture's fellow rushing. We do gardening here every Friday and Saturday, and I do it all during the week. If you want to shoot me an email, garden at mpbonline.org. Got the lines open right now. I want to give you a chance to call in. So uh, if you want to give us a call, again, one eight seven seven mpb ring Got my regular weekly cheesy music, something to cheer you up, and we're going to listen to that to come back with phone calls here on Gestalt Gardener, a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Take it away, Sir Java. You can't roller skate in a buffalo herd. You can't roller skate in a buffalo herd. You can't roller skate in a buffalo herd. But you can be happy if you've mine too. You can't take a shower in a parakeet cage. You can't take a shower in a parakeet cage. You can't take a shower in a parakeet cage. But you can be happy if you've mine too. All you gotta do is put your mind to it. Knuckle down, buckle down, do it, do it, do it. Well, you can't go swimming in a baseball pool. If you've a mind to You can't change film with a kid on your back you can't change film with a kid on your back you can't change film with a kid on your back But you can be happy if you've a mind to You can't drive around with a tiger in your car Your mind to it, knuckle down, buckle down, do it, do it, do it. Well, you can't roller skate in the buffalo herd. You can't roller skate in the buffalo herd. You can't roller skate in the buffalo herd. But you can be happy if you've a mind to. You can't go fishing in a watermelon patch. You can't go fishing in a watermelon patch. You can't go fishing in a watermelon patch. But you can be happy if you've a mind to. You can't roller skate in the buffalo herd. You can't roller skate. Informative MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and a state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okay, old folks, welcome back to Horticulture's Fellow Rushing. Let's go straight to Columbus, historic Columbus. Hey, Nick, good morning. How you doing? I'm fine. A couple of quick questions for you. Okay. A couple of quick questions. Uh, in a sanded loam uh, ground, do the roots of fig trees grow deep or do they grow shallow? That's a good question. Um, roots actually don't grow in any particular direction. They go where they get both air and moisture. They seek out moisture, but they can't grow where they don't get air. So in a heavy clay soil, they stay real shallow because air won't go grow very deep. But in a good, well-drained, sandy uh, loam-type soil... 
moisture go down deep, but but it, when it as it goes down, it pulls air down, so roots can grow deeper. So it really depends, yeah. you know, on 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 the moisture and the air. Now, and, and by okay. the way, figs like a lot of mulch, a lot of regular real, real leaf mulch, and if you'll put uh, leaves, oh, I'm gonna say six or eight inches deep all the way around a big ring. They'll have a stronger, deeper root system because that organic matter works its way down around the roots too. Well, uh, actually, I'm turning my garden into a fig garden. A fig garden. Got, uh, yeah, a fig garden. In other words, I got fig. I'm on. I'm doing fig trees in my garden now, rather than in this. It's a sandy loam. Yeah. That has been put into uh, a dugout swimming pool. Yeah. And uh, I've got. Uh, I got rock in the bottom that I used to water the garden with, and I got 24 inches of uh, uh, what's called river run uh, for the first, uh, the last 24 inches. And But anyway, uh, uh, I've got uh, about a foot of uh, oak leaves in the garden uh, to help, number one, I guess, to help uh, keep the ground fertile, and the other is to keep the grass out. That helps a lot, and you can do that every year uh, in the fall. You can just put a big, thick ring. Of, you know, I wouldn't pile it up on the trunks, Nick, but put a big, thick ring all the way out, of, you know, three or four feet out from the trunk, and uh, that'll help a whole lot. Right. Uh, by the way, what, what varieties of figs are you going with? All right, I've got uh, three varieties. I've got uh, Celeste. That's a great one. Uh, brown Brown turkey mm-hmm. and uh, LSU gold. LSU gold is a good one. Now, if you get a chance, yeah, send somebody down to Jackson, come to Jackson. There's a guy down at the farmer's market named Don Kazeri. He has a variety that's an old family variety called the Kazeri fig. It's big, bigger than an egg. Yeah. It's golden, and that little hole in the bottom is plugged up with what tastes like a piece of honey. Oh, good. Kazeri well, starts I, with a well, K. Oh yeah. Yeah. Will that grow up in my zone? Or yes. Is it too cold. Up? No, it'll it'll do fine. But it starts with a K. Kazera. Shoot me an email. I like to remind you. Sound like you're on the right track, though, All Nick. Right. Okay. Got one other question. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what would you guess would be a good time to plant uh, turnip greens and uh, I'm gonna say uh, Texas sweet onions? Uh, I'd go ahead and start putting onions in soon. You know, uh, February is a great time to plant onions. I'd wait a little bit on, on the on the turnips and mustard and lettuce until late February, first part of March, because if they come up and they're real small, we'll get a freeze, that'll damage them. Yeah, right. Okay. Hey, man, I appreciate you very much. Oh, I get, and I, really enjoy your show. I got, I got one more thing to ask you. Have you you grown figs before, right? Yeah, uh-huh. okay. I've got some old trees, but they are they are in this prairie ground up here. Yeah, yeah, ten miles south, uh, uh, west of Columbus. Yeah, well, the, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This is my old stomping grounds. I used to I used to live out near a place called Sesums, if you know where that is. Absolutely. But in, I, anyway, I don't live very far from Sesums. No, well, in, anyway, when you put the new trees in the ground, cut them off about a foot and a half tall. I did. Good. I did. All right, Nick. Sound like you're on the right. Tra- I can't wait to get about five feet this past year. I can't wait to get some fig preserves from you. All righty, let's. LSU Golds do a good job on on. They're not a good eating pig, but they're a good preserve. They, they 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 stay firm. That's right. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it, Nick. I appreciate you too. All righty, now let's go to uh, Joy. Is driving somewhere? Joy, how can you talk about gardening and drive at the same time? Oh, I do this all the time. <laughs> What's up? You got an apple tree or one or what? Well, okay. So I grew up in West Virginia, and I, I've always had apple trees. And um, I, when I moved to Huntsville, Alabama, we live on the side of Montesano facing yep, west. Right, right. And we live in the woods. Mm-hmm. And I had gotten some apple trees from Home Depot, and they just they did not do well at no, all. No, And um, I just want, you know, a few of... Maybe some yellow varieties and and some um, yeah. red varieties yeah. that will do well on the side of the mountain yeah. facing west. Okay, here here's the, the the first two things you need to understand is that apples, like most fruit trees, tell time by how much cold they get in the winter. And some varieties need a lot of cold. Some don't need much before they bloom. It's called chilling hours. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're up in, in, you know, in North Alabama, they have a lot more chilling hours. You can actually grow some cherries up there, which they can't down around Birmingham because it's not cold enough. So right. the first thing you need to do is find varieties that, that, that fit your chilling hours. It could be in the 800, 900, 1,000 range. 
Okay. okay. And the second of all, we need to get some that that that, that have the that right chilling hours and that are disease resistant because we have a lot of problems here in the the lower the the mid south with a disease called fire blight. You can spray for it, but if you can get one that's that's got the right chilling hours and is disease resistant, you know, and then get two different varieties in that range so they pollinate each other. Right. Now, right. now, uh, you know, you know, Alabama has got a really good extension service. They've got a publication online about good fruit varieties for commercial fruit growers. But if you'll shoot me an email, I got a real good friend who works there at the Botanic Garden in Huntsville uh, who could put me in touch with somebody who grows them around there, and we can come oh, up with okay. some really good varieties for you. Great. But chilling okay. hours, chilling hours for North Alabama and uh, disease resistant. Those are two and, and two different varieties or more. Okay. Yeah. Now, can I ask you one more quick sure. little question? Sure. My my aquilegia. I have a, a huge bed of um, different colors of aquilegia that I've had for several years. Mm-hmm. And last year they got um, like a, a mildew. Yeah. That just ran rampant. Yeah. And. Um, and, and I don't think any of them are going to come back this year. They they might. You never can tell. A lot of times those diseases hit them mid to late season, and it and it knocks them back. Looks really zinnias do the same thing. But a lot of times they come out with nice, clean new growth. What I would do is I would carefully clean up around the plants, make sure you're not disturbing any little seedlings that might be out there, and then uh, put some fresh mulch up under them in case there's any of the the old disease foliage is on the ground. We don't want it splashing back up on the new growth. A lot of times the new growth comes out just fine, and and uh, we. We had a real wet spring last year, and that splashed the disease around, so mulch will help on that. Okay. Thank you so much. Good luck, Joy, and uh, and if you get a chance, go out to the Botanic Garden. they got a lot of cool stuff out there. Oh, I'm a member. Okay, great, great. Well, I'm glad I said something then. Okay. Tell them I said, hey, bye, Joy. I I will, bye. Okay, let's go to Oxford. Hey, Chris, good morning, sir. Hey, Felder, how you doing? So far, so good. Hey, I I want to tell you first. You're not that spacey. You want to leave Jackson and come on up to Oxford. <laughs> well, you know, we spacey people just don't get what you're saying at all. Well, spacey or not, we love you the same. <laughs> Thank you, sir. What can I help you with? Hey, I've got a uh, I've got a rose bed with some um, with natural bark down on it, and uh-huh. I've got Bermuda coming through. What yeah. sort of spray or pre-emergence can I put on that to keep it out this Okay, uh, pre-emergence only works on weed seeds as they sprout. It has no effect on perennial weeds that come back from stems or roots or bulbs and all. So you're going to you're gonna need to use a post-emerge after the Bermuda comes out. Now, luckily, there's a product, and a lot of people get their shorts or not because, you know, I, 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 I try to stick with what I believe. And, I, you know, there's a product that works just like Roundup, but it only kills true grasses. You can let the Bermuda grass come up, get uh, a few inches long, look like it's really about to take over, and spray it with this stuff. And it's under different brand names like Grass Be Gone, um, uh, Grass Killer. You go to in- any garden center, and they'll know what I'm talking about. It works like Roundup, but only kills grass. will not hurt roses, won't hurt monkey grass, won't hurt irises. It only kills true grasses after the green up, kills them roots and all. All right, I thank you very much. Good luck on it, Chris. Thanks, man. Righty, now let's go to Mobile. We are going for all over the place from from uh, Huntsville down to Mobile. Hey, Gavin. Good morning. Good morning. What's I'm up? Sure enjoy your sure enjoy your show. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. What what can I help you with? I hope I have a lime tree, and it's a beautiful tree. Uh, looks really healthy, and uh, but it will put flowers on, but I never get any fruit on it. I was wondering what you can tell me. I need to do to that tree to make it actually make some lime. Is it started blooming yet? No, not yet. Okay, because a lot of times they bloom a little early, and then a late frost, even a mobile, can can damage it. Also, you may not have very many bees doing the pollinating, and that's going to be a big deal. Now, is this in? It's not in a pot indoors, is it? Yeah, no, it's outside. Okay. Okay. Well, well, citrus trees are trees are self pollinating, so you know that shouldn't be a problem. What I would do, Gavin, I would go out uh, sometime in the next few weeks and simply thin out a few of the branches. And then, you know, just to, to sort of, you know, open the tree up a little bit uh, without cutting anything else back. And then, uh, ooh, where are you? I'm driving. <laughs> anyway. Just had, a fire, just had a fire chief go by. Okay. About all you can do right now this time of year is uh, thin them out. Don't leave any kind of stubs. You know, if you're cutting a branch or a limb off, you know, cut it flush. And then... Uh, 
and give it a little fertilizer, a little bit of fertilizer sometime over the next month or so, and let's see what happens. Usually, if it's not producing at all, it's either uh, the flowers come out and they get frosted or else it's a pollination thing. Okay. All right, sure. Appreciate it. Thank that, you. That's the start. If you shoot me an email, I've got a friend who grows a lot of different kind of citrus. Shoot me an email sometime in the next few weeks, and uh, if he has some more thoughts on it, I'll share them with you. I appreciate that. Okay, Thank Gavin. You. Appreciate it. Hands on the wheel. Yes, sir. All right, now let's stay in Mobile. Mark, what's going on? You're not driving, are you? Uh, I pulled over, actually. <laughs> what's up, man? Um, I actually, sorry, that was my air brake. Uh, my wife actually, uh, we got some lemons from a, a local place we were staying. And uh-huh. it was, uh, we picked them out of the tree ourselves. And my wife planted them, and they started growing. And then she got online and decided she's going to see if they were produced. And she said they had to be grass and that they wouldn't produce. Can you tell me anything about that? Yeah, a, a couple of things. First of all, we, you know, a lot of the a lot of fruits, citrus included, are cross pollinated. They may get variety uh, pollen from two or three or more different varieties or even types. And so, because of that, the seeds. It's just like parents. You know, you get uh, you, you get a whole bunch of parents. You got a bunch of kids. Some are going to be smarter and dumber than the others. It's called seedling variation. So you really can't predict from a seed what quality fruit the plant's going to have. And uh, not only that, but it may take six or seven, eight years for it to get mature enough to start producing. So the, the reason they grow grafted trees is they take pieces off of trees that we know what they are, that are mature and ready, to, and then they graft them onto rootstock. So it sort of predicts what kind of fruit you're going to get, and it cuts that waiting time. They don't have to grow up. Okay. So, but it's so in us. They suggested just going, basically buying one from the, one of the big box stores. Is that... A big box store, big box store, but also do a little, uh, do a little research. Uh, go online, shoot me an email if you want to, because there's some different kinds of fruit that do better. There are different varieties of lemons that do better than than others. You know that are produced better. And uh, so anyway, if you're going to buy one, I wouldn't just get a generic one from a big box store. Let's look for a name. If you're not sure about those, uh, my friend Bill Fence down there writes for the Mobile Press Register. He really knows his fruits down, down there, but I know him too, so. Shoot either one of us to email. Let's come up with a good variety. And then go in and plant some of those seedlings off to the side and have fun with them. Okay. Okay. Well, I appreciate you taking my call. All righty. Back on the road, man. Thank you. Okay. We got some more calls, folks, and one other big email I want to share with you. We're going to take a little break. Uh, that's what we do here every now and then. We have to take care of some business. But uh, keep in mind that because this is public radio, I don't have to sell anything. I don't have to convince you of anything. It doesn't matter to me what you do or don't do. My job is to try to figure out the best approach. And if you want to try something that's not the best approach, well, let's see if we can make that work, too. So uh, give me a call. Shoot me an email. Whatever it takes. Let's get this garden pardon rolling, folks. We're going to come back. we got calls from Gulfport, from New Albany, from the coast to the icebox. I'm Horticulture's Felder Rushing. This is the Gestalt Gardener. It's a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We'll be right back. From the Capitol steps to your front door, MPB News covers the state like no one else. Our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life. MPB News, online at mpbonline.org and on MPB Think Radio. Aaron, who's called in from Arkansas. Mary in Ocean Springs. Marlou is on the line in Jackson. Rachel is in Clarksdale. At MPB Think Radio, we are everywhere you want to go. Sardis, Henleyville, Greenwood, Jackson, Oxford, Ocean Springs, Meridian, Hattiesburg, and we're going to Memphis. So go anywhere you want. We'll be right there with you. MPB Think Radio, where Mississippi is our mission. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie doke, folks. Welcome back. Hey, Java, guess what I'm going to be doing when we get off the air? Any idea? 
Absolutely none. Now, what not, you going to be doing? I'll be spacey, of course. No, no. I'm, I've been invited to give a presentation to a national group of uh, innkeepers and uh, and locally owned hoteliers. Okay. Above the Queen Mary in Long Beach, California. Oh, so you you gonna get on the flight? No, yeah, I'm gonna get, fly out to Los Angeles and go out to the gonna visit a couple of botanic gardens out there, visit some old friends and all. But I'm gonna be out on the West Coast, and uh, I'll be back plenty of time to do the program next week, though. Okay, well, yeah, we would we would appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, before we go to these phone calls, I'm gonna share this. I got an email from uh, from a guy named Sam Sample, and I want to really touch on this. Uh, this is my opinion. He said, I've got several small oak trees that have mistletoe in them. Can I spray the mistletoe with Roundup while the tree is dormant? Kill the mistletoe without harming the tree. I've tried to remove it with a pole saw. This year keeps coming back. Here's the deal, Sam. First of all, Roundup goes into the roots of whatever you kill, and, and mistletoe has roots in your oak tree. So if you spray the mistletoe, what kills it will kill your oak tree. That's just a fact, because mistletoe has roots under the bark in your tree. Second of all, you can cut it, you can print it, you can do whatever you want to. It's going to come back, because it's a bush that's got roots growing under the skin of your tree, and you can cut it back, and if those roots that are under the bark of the mistletoe die, that part of your tree is going to die too. So the bottom line is, mistletoe is hard to get rid of without hurting the tree itself. Now, here's here's my opinion. I've seen mistletoe that is centuries old, growing in oak trees that are centuries old in England. Mistletoe really doesn't hurt the tree. I know a lot of people are going to argue with me to cause branches to die and blah, blah, blah. But the bottom line is, if a parasite kills its host, it dies too. So you can have mistletoe without a problem in your oak trees for a long time. Cut out what bothers you. But if you've got a real heavy infestation, there's really no way to get rid of it without seriously damaging tree more than the mistletoe. So I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying that spraying the mistletoe will seriously damage your tree. Cut it off. If you can't, if you can't fix it, flee it, or fight it, flow with it, my friend. Let's go down to Gulfport, see what Phil's up to. Hey, sir, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine. What's up? Well, I just removed a very large maple tree from my front yard, and we're going to put in sod. When When is the best time to do that? Can it be done now? Or oh, yeah. Yeah. You, you can lay sod any time of the year. Now, here's the deal, Phil. It really doesn't grow new roots until it greens up in the spring, you know, okay. uh, because this uh, – and, and by the way, uh, you go on St. Augustine or Centipede or what? Centipede. Yeah, centipede. Um, it, it really doesn't start growing well until the soil warms up. So if you put it down now, it's no problem, but you can need to water it uh, every week or so to keep it from drying out in the sun because it doesn't have any roots. So if you you know if you don't put it down, give it a good soaking every week or so, but don't keep it soggy wet because that rots it. Okay. If you well, if you if you wait a little while, the longer you wait towards April, the quicker it's going to get established. Now, let me give you a real, real two two quick tips. First of all, don't fertilize the centipede until after it's greened up and been mowed a couple of times. We're talking about April. No matter what anybody tells you, I wrote the book. I don't sell anything. I don't really care what people do. But the grass doesn't want to be fertilized until after it's been greened up. And use this stuff called centipede food. And then the second okay. thing is don't keep it wet. Water it deep, let the sod dry out so the roots will grow down into the soil beneath. And they won't do that if it's wet. So water it really, really good and then hold off on it. So we're talking about once or twice a week. Uh, and by the middle of the summer, once a week is more than enough. Too, okay, too, much, too, much, too much water is worse than none at all. I appreciate it. Good luck on it, man. Thank you. Thank you. you bet. Now let's go to New Albany. Hey, Bill, got your China Bear tree or you want one? Well... I got a problem with them, Felder. Uh-oh. I heard, I learned this from listening to your show about what you can do with a weed eater when you're not paying attention to what you're doing to the tree part. Yeah, we call it weed eater blight. Yeah, it's called knocking the skin off. I never realized the part was skin on a tree. Yep. But anyways. You, you boogered up happened? your You boogered up it. your tree. Well, the, the tree looks all right, and it's got the same shape but the very center of it has died out it's yeah. all dead now i need to know if i can cut that and it'll grow back or if it's just ruined 
Well, you know, luckily China bear trees, they're not the pretty trees uh, to begin with. I, I, I think they're great trees. They were the Bradford pears of the 1800s. Everybody loved them. I love, and I like the way they smell when they bloom in the spring. But uh, about all you can do really, Bill, is just cut out the dead stuff and hope for the best. You know, there's there's nothing else anybody can really say. And just and just quit running over with a weed eater, I'm sure. Yeah, all it takes is one time to, to you know, sometimes they'll they'll get over it. But, you know, that's the number one killer of young trees is uh, lawnmowers and string trimmers. And there's, and there's nothing that I need to put on the bark? Nope. Comfort with anything, it's not going to help, right? Uh, if it'll make somebody else think better of you, you know, <laughs> do for it. But other than that, it's just pure cosmetics. Well... <laughs> my, my wife don't need makeup, and I'm not buying them from a tree. Okay. Well, let us know how it works, man. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Thank Have a you. great day. Now, he put that just right. My wife don't need makeup. Hey, Colleen, calling from Biloxi. What's up? Hi. Um, so I had a succulent garden that I went out of town, and then the whole thing got completely frozen. And now it's like the leaves are orange and they feel really squishy, like they're full of liquid. And not only that, but you smell your fingers, it's really nasty, stinky smell. And that's what might happen to mine. Stinky, stinky, yes. nasty smell. So are they savable? Like are the leaves still, are the roots still okay? Or it's, is it just start it, over time? It's hard to say, Colleen. I grow a lot of different cacti and succulents. I'm sort of a fanatic about it. And some of mine uh, that are supposed to be hardy got, got damaged pretty badly. And uh, some of them that should have made it didn't. Only way you can do it is just wait and see. Clean up the, the nasty stuff, the mushy stuff, and let's just wait and see if some of them sprout back out. But other than that, you know, it's just a, it's a matter of chance. I do have some really good hardy succulents that, can, that took down to 17 degrees, but a lot of them just didn't make it. So we just have to wait and see. Clean them up and wait and see. So I can go ahead and trim off the... Yeah, the, the, the mushy okay. stuff. All right. And shoot, shoot me an email. I'll, I'll send you a list of some that'll, that'll tolerate winter even up in Memphis. All right. All right. Appreciate it, Colleen. Thank you. You betcha. All right. And we don't have time. We've got one more call, but we don't have time to squeeze it in. So, Jerry, if you'll shoot me an email, uh, the Value Foundation Plans, I'll be really glad to help. Our email is garden at mpbonline.org. Uh, so if you want to shoot me an email, I'd be glad to help. Otherwise, uh, call back next week. Let's talk about it. I'm hoping to get a fellow uh, named Ed Croom to talk about his new book about the, the plants of Rowan Oak up in Oxford. Try to see if we can get him next week. But meanwhile, I'm headed out to the Queen Mary and the uh, couple of botanic gardens out on the West Coast. I'm going to come back all tan and spacey and West Coasty. Woo! <laughs> right, Java? You're going to come back feeling good. I am. I am. But it... Mr. Altgarden's production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting, folks. We call it Think Radio. Uh, Java Chapman is my producer. The phone greeter was the inestimably honorable Kevin Farrell. We're going to be taking more phone calls and emails same time, same place next week. Stay cool, stay dry, stay warm, stay whatever you want to, but get out and show some kids how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. 